and welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. We had a fantastic wildcard weekend. Things generally went to plan in terms of results, the winners and losers, bar the Niners game, which I think both of us were on last week. Uh, but in all the other cases, it was the higher seed and the betting favourite who earned another week of football this week. I'm your host, Nick Splitter, as always, joined by Ryan Lepore. Lepore, how did you see Super Wildcard Weekend, mate? Uh, it wasn't overly super, was it? In the end, there was a few blowouts. Um, the favourites obviously won all the games other than that that upset we you just mentioned in the Niners beating the Cowboys. But um, I'm sure many fans like yourself and and probably I included didn't, didn't mind that result. Um, it was certainly <laughs> um, enjoyable watching the Cowboys melt down uh, in the playoffs once again. It's been um, a long time since I've won a playoff game, that's for sure. And um, the streak continues for Jerry Jones and his team, but like, um, but like you said, like all the favourites got up other than that game there and, and all favourites won that did win, did cover the line as well. So it was, it kind of went to script. However, it probably wasn't as close as we anticipated. A lot of the games were blown out. So yeah, look, four awesome games again this weekend, no closer to knowing who's going to be in the Super Bowl, to be honest. It's, it's just so open still, but, and, and, and one of the reasons why is because as we just said, all the favourites won last week or five out of the six. But I, I honestly think there's a, a huge opportunity for the outsiders this week. And, and in all four cases, I think that all the teams that are starting as the underdog could win uh, and, and go into a, a championship game. So that's how open it is. And I really like all the teams probably at that at that points line this this week with the start. And um, obviously, we know that's probably not going to be the case where, where all the underdogs can win. But... Yeah, on paper, I, I can see all four underdogs potentially causing an upset, or at least a, at least two or three. Anyway, so yeah, it's going to be an interesting weekend. But uh, yeah, can't wait for it. And I know the, these games in the divisional round they've probably come a little bit sooner than we anticipated. I know we both had in the preseason the same AFC and NFC championship mm-hmm. games. We both predicted Bills Buck uh, Bills Chiefs, and then the Bucks Rams as our championship games, and we've got them in the divisional round. So. Yeah, it's going to be an awesome weekend, obviously, because we thought the four best teams are going to be playing against each other this weekend. Yeah, I mean, it, it does make for a great divisional round. It, uh, it is a shame that, you know, it won't be those matchups next weekend because I think that they're pretty close to the, the best four teams in, in the mm-hmm. competition. But, um, you know, I, I think it, I, I, I'm really looking forward to this week. I, I was really looking forward to last week. And like you said, there, there were a few blowouts that I think we probably didn't expect, even though maybe we should have. Um, in hindsight, but um, look, I mean, this is the, this is the best time of year, isn't it? It's playoff football. It's you're getting you're getting everyone's playing hard. There's no there's no second chances. You either win or you're out. It's, it's bust. Or it's it's win or go home. And you know, it's, it's just great great football. And and we're we're down at the, the pointy end where there's no bad teams. There's no soft wins or easy beats left in in, in the playoffs anymore. And um, you, know, you mentioned the the opportunity about all four outsiders winning this week. I wonder if that's ever happened in a, in a divisional round uh, or any playoff round, you know, outside of the Super Bowl, obviously with one game, but um, you know, I wonder if that's ever happened. I, I don't have that. I don't have that stat anywhere. So I wonder if, if any of our listeners uh, know if, if that's ever happened and, and if so tweet us and let us know, um, you know, if, if you've got any idea on that. Um, and obviously, you know, if, if you are listening, then jump on wherever it is that you listen um, iTunes or, or whatever, and give us a, a rating and a review. Uh, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, tweet us, jump on social media, comment, engage as much as possible. But uh, I guess moving straight into uh, playoff football, how did we go last week? How did you go last week? 
Uh, not too bad. I, I had um, one. I went one and one with my spreads with a, a push on that Eagles Bucks game. I know the line ended up um, stretching out to that forty six and a half. So unfortunately, we um, because we do the show early, we lock in our plays uh, on a Thursday night at least, and and that line was a flat forty six. So we got the push with that um, pretty special Devontae Smith catch on the two point conversion uh, um, in the in a game that was thirty one nil at one stage. But anyway, we we digress and we got we got a push there, but unfortunately missed pretty badly in, t- in terms of the Chiefs Steelers game. Um, the Chiefs just went on a rampage in that. Uh, second half, especially after a scoreless first quarter, I was pretty happy with that uh, opening quarter when I took the unders in that game. But unfortunately, the Chiefs did what they did. And, and to be honest, I was probably pretty lucky with the Bengals, with the Raiders missing a lot of opportunities. I know they they went to the red zone on five occasions and the Bengals mm-hmm. held them to um, just one touchdown in those five trips. So, look, the Raiders had their chances. And I know you were spewing, um, you know, someone that's probably been against the Raiders all season and you actually – believed that they would keep it close. And they did for the majority and, and had a chance, obviously, to, to force that game to overtime. But this came up short with um, a pretty Raiders-like finish in that one. So, yeah, unfortunately <laughs> for you, mate, I've got the head-to-head up on that one. But um, you certainly got it back in the uh, Arizona-LA Rams game. I got that um, wrong completely. And, and the Rams were real clinical. And I, and I know you'll be um, chuffed to see that, that um, your Super Bowl <laughs> predict, prediction team – or. Super Bowl, um, you know, winner uh, at the start of the season, just really turned it on when they needed to. Yeah, spot on. And yeah, I, mate, I remember, I remember messaging you during that uh, <laughs> that Bengals, to, you know, in the last, yeah, know, the last quarter. And I remember, I remember saying something like, "The uh, the Raiders have had so many chances to score mm. a touchdown here, and every time they get to the end zone, well, in the, in the red zone, they fuck it up." Um, <laughs> and I, I was livid. They had so many opportunities, like yeah. I said, five. Five trips to the red zone and 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 couldn't couldn't capitalize. Um, but it you know goes to show that the progression of the Cincinnati Bengals and, and we'll talk about them soon uh, and, and kind of where they've come from and, and where they're at now. They're so much better defensively. They're so much better offensively. Um, and you know they they deserve to win that game. But um, you know they were able to hold out the Raiders you know on that last line of defense and um, ultimately deserve deserve that victory. But yeah, the Rams. I mean the Rams are doing Ram things now. They're um, they're on a bit of a a bit of a roll uh, outside of that one loss that that we spoke about a couple of weeks ago that they probably had to have uh, coming into the playoffs, uh, and you know they're doing they're doing I guess what I expected them to do in just being strong and ferocious on on all parts of the yeah, ground and all, and, on all facets, aren't they? And that's that's the thing they they're so well equipped on on all three you know facets of the game with offensive, de- defense, and of course special teams and. Like you said, look, it was a bit of a, a worry coming into the game after that second half capitulation against the Niners. But other than that half of football, they've been pretty dominant for six weeks, hadn't they? And like mm. you said, and uh, they certainly clicked into gear, you know, from from the first play of the game where um, I think it was Sony Michelle ran off thirty five yards on the opening play of the game, and it was it was danger signs and worrying signs, I suppose, from the Cardinals right from right from the go uh, from the start there. So they just never got going, and and at one stage, obviously, Odell had more passing yards than, than Kyler Murray, which spoke volumes of how badly that Cardinals offense played and 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 their defense really. They just they just couldn't get a stop either. So yeah, look, uh obviously I know we 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 went a bit off bit rogue last week with our first ever player prop as a lock of the week. And <laughs> if we played the alternate line or the combined line, I reckon we would have been in, in the money. But yeah, unfortunately Devo just spent way too much time in the backfield. Um 
and only had three targets or something like that in the air. He was he was um, used primarily as a running back, and, and he he dominated, and he he was probably almost one of the, the key differences in the game. Um, that offensive weapon that the the Cowboys just couldn't get anything going on offense. Obviously, uh, Amari had that that nice touchdown. Uh, early in the game, but yeah, other than that, I mean, they did have had little to no run game, uh, which I know Cowboys fans were lamenting. Where was Tony Pollard for most of the game? He was mm. in one series, um, and he he had an average. You know, he carried the ball more to, um, you know average yards than than, than Zeke, who we now find out was carrying a bit of an injury through the last uh, part of the season. So again, that well, goes they back. always say that once every yeah. day, don't they? Yeah, true. But, I mean, we, we spoke about that, though. If the Cowboys weren't going to run the ball, then they weren't really a shot to win mm. the game. So, you know, yeah. that was that, that's how it played out. But, I mean, you're right. We, we didn't we certainly didn't picture Debo Samuel with, with 10 carries out of the backfield compared to three targets. Um, I mean, he was probably still their offensive MVP. Like, it just goes to show the value of that dude. Like, he's just so valuable. He's so competent um, in, in any part of, of an offense. Um, and uh, somehow, you know, we spoke about it last week that somehow Debo Samuel is still super underrated. Um, and I'm not sure that that status will last too much longer if he puts up more performances nah, he, like that. And, yeah, and like he, he had in, in kind of the months leading into the playoffs. Yeah, he was a first choice all pro though this year now. So he's finally got those, those, that recognition, I suppose, but yeah, certainly coming into the season, he's, he'd been underrated and, um, I'm glad he, he got that recognition as a as a first ballot uh, Pro Bowl this year. So in the first team, and and like you said, he, he was dominant. He had over 100 scrimmage yards. He just managed to get you know 70, 80 percent of those in the backfield and running the football rather than um, you know those short screen passes that we thought we'd see a lot more of from Jimmy G. But unfortunately, that didn't go our way. But you you cleaned up on the in, on that game with liking the Niners obviously at the start and then the money line as well, which. You know, and then as an added bonus, uh, those boys lost as well. So it was a it was a big day for you on uh, Monday morning. Cert- certainly made up for uh, for the Eagles' loss, which I mean, you know, I went into that with with no expectations yeah, no. or very low expectations. Um, so you know, I, I said to someone uh, over the weekend that you know, if the Eagles lose, which I expect they probably would, then as long as the Cowboys lose, I'll be happy. And you know, for the Cowboys to lose uh, to get the uh, to get the start, like you said, with the Niners and, and the money line to get that, that win as well was was solid. Um, so all in all, a, a pretty decent weekend. I went three and two on the game spreads. No luck with those totals. Um, but, uh, I mean, we're, we're one and one. We went one and one head to head. I think we've got one head to head this week. So one of us will come out on top uh, after this week. And, and that's going to be interesting to see. But um, I guess we should probably get into the divisional round. What do you reckon? Yeah, let's get underway, and, and that's this is the game that we actually have our head-to-head in straight off the bat. That's it. Sunday, 8.30 a.m. Australian Eastern Time. Uh, I should say, obviously, we're recording this on a Thursday night Melbourne time on the eastern coast of Australia. So lines, spreads, totals, uh, props, all the markets are subject to change over the course of the weekend. Uh, but Sunday, 8.30 a.m., Cincinnati at Tennessee, the Titans minus three and a half. The total is 47. And this week, all the talk is hailing the return of the King. There's no better way to open Divisional Weekend with the return of Derek Henry. The Titan star uh, went down in week eight with that broken foot. And Tennessee still somehow went six and three in that stretch without him to clinch the number one seed in the AFC. I'm not sure anyone expected that to happen once Derek Henry went down. But 
how good is Derek Henry really? I mean, we've spoken nonstop about Jonathan Taylor and some of the other backs in, in the league since Henry went down. So have we forgotten already how good Derek Henry is? Uh, I think some people have, but Derek Henry is the best running back in the league, period. Despite missing nine games to end the season, Henry still finished in the top 10 in running back yardage with 937 yards from eight games ahead of the likes of starters, you know, RB1s, Damien Harris, Melvin Gordon, Josh Jacobs, and Aaron Jones, all who played 14 games or more for the season. So what does this mean, getting Derek Henry back for Tennessee this week? He's going to be rusty for sure. You know, he hasn't played for, for nine weeks. He's got a brand new massive steel plate in his foot that he's going to have to get used to running on. But even at 70% health, Derek Henry allows the Titans offense to be much more balanced. He takes the pressure off Ryan Tannehill, off AJ Brown and Julio Jones in the passing game. While Donna Foreman has proved himself more than reliable as a backup in the last month or so, and can be called upon to do his bit as required, both as a runner and as a pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, and even so, you know, expecting the worst, if, if Derek Henry gets injured on the first play, you know, you can rely on Donta Foreman to kind of step up and, and take that take that responsibility and, and do it to a, a decently high level. Um, in Cincinnati, though, the first playoff win in 30 years comes at a cost. Tackle Larry Ogunjobi is now on IR with a right foot injury. Uh, he was a leader on defense for the Bengals this season with a career-high seven sacks and tied for the team lead with 12 tackles for a loss. Uh, obviously, Pro Bowl defensive end Trey Hendrickson also in concussion protocol following that game. But it does, as we record this on Thursday night, it appears that he is likely to play, uh, according to Bengals head coach who says so. But um, that is obviously, you never know with concussion and some of those symptoms and uh, all those sorts of things can pop up uh, later than expected. So that'll be one to watch for Cincinnati. Um, we know how dynamic the Bengals' offense is. They're incredible to watch. I mean, we've seen it over the course of this season, uh, the majority of this season anyway. Joey Burrow, Mixon, Chase, Higgins, Boyd, Zoma, they've got weapons capable of changing any game, any minute really, but the Titans are a borderline top 10 defensive unit. They're ranked 12th in DVOA total defense. They're 8th weighted to more recent performances. And they've performed admirably all season despite having injuries almost every week, um, but performed really well defending scores and, and especially in the red zone. I think the week off will have done the sore aging legs of the Tennessee Titans good. I prefer this line to be a flat three, obviously, to the, the three and a half, but I think the Titans win this one by more than a field goal. So I'm pretty happy to take this Tennessee line of minus three and a half. We, uh, we've got a head-to-head. What have you got for us? Yeah, mate, I, I'm on the Bengals bandwagon here. I think they can keep it rolling and happy to take that three and a half point line. Uh, obviously, I think it's going to be a tight one, like you said, and just tipping over to that three and a half is enough to, to persuade me in the in the Bengals' favour. And I feel like they've got a bit of a similar similar kind of um, about them, just like the Titans were a couple of years ago where they kind of came from nowhere to win, um, to get into the, to the, the championship game, the AFC championship game. And, um, you know, they knocked off the Baltimore Ravens on that occasion, on um, the number one seed at the time, and and just were doing special things. And I feel like the Bengals, the the stars have aligned from this season. Obviously, it's been a, it's been the Jamar Chase and and Joe Burrow show for most of the year, but they've just been so solid across the board. Like you said, especially on that defensive end, that is a big loss though. Um, I think Joby he's going to be out with this one. They should get Trey Hendrickson. Um, 
to line up in this one. I know you just mentioned uh, he should be right to go after the, a bit of a concussion last week, but he should be right. And look, if, if they've got him in the team, that's it. It'll be a huge out if they if they do miss both of those guys. But look, the the Bengals themselves, and I, I know we touched on the top and how the the Raiders couldn't get into the um, the red zone. Is that's because of that that Bengals defense? They they like I said, five red zone appearances. They held held stout. They only allowed one touchdown in those five appearances, including that game ceiling interception. And and I just like like I said, I just think that momentum can really carry those Bengals through. Um, the, the one stat I did find, which I'm really um, worried about, I suppose, and for, for a, a man that's going to be on the Bengals this week, is that under Mike Vrabel, uh, the Titans are a perfect 8-0 when they've had more than eight or more days rest. So they're really, really, when they come in prepared for a game and off that rest, they they obviously usually perform. And that was a worrying trend I, I found. And um, obviously, they probably needed that, like you said, with an extra week under Derek Henry's belt as well. So that number one seed was crucial for the Titans. And um, a bit of another odd one is that the last time the Bengals won a playoff game, obviously before last week, was in 1990, of course. And the last team that was that they beat was the then Houston Oilers, which, of course, became the Tennessee Titans. So a little bit of synchronicity there. And, and I, I just feel like... Maybe some like revenge. Maybe yeah. some revenge for the Titans. <laughs> revenge game from back in the day. So, look, no, <laughs> I, I just believe that offense is it's just so high octane. Um, Ryan Tannehill has struggled a little bit in recent weeks. They they have relied on the run game. And, um, yeah, I just don't know if he if he can really have a monster day. Obviously, AJ Brown's going to be critical to that if he, if he does. But, look, I know they're going to try and run the ball uh, as a start anyway, the Titans. But I just feel like the Bengals can can stop them and, and just have so many offensive weapons of their own. And, and I think it's going to be an air raid from the Bengals. Uh, and, yeah, don't know if the Titans secondary is going to be able to keep up with that. And and if Jamar Chase is covered, I'm tipping T. Higgins has a big day as well. And I'm, he's one of my player props. I know we can probably touch on them a bit later, mate, But because um, I know we're keen on a few this week. Uh, we mm-hmm. found a, about five each that we like. So we could probably touch on them at the end, but I'm, I'm happy to be with the Bengals here. Ride their momentum, and I think they can make a fairy tale run to the AFC Championship game, mate. So I'll, I'll take the points on the Bengals. Yeah, very nice. A quick one. January 1990, how old were you? I was all of a couple of months old, mate. Oh, okay. I was for four and a half. <laughs> yeah, I was I was eighty nine, October eighty nine. So I was just tipping over a couple months. So um, managed to see my pies win the flag a few months later than that. So in nineteen ninety, which was nice as a one year old. <laughs> sure, you've got great memories of those. Yeah, great memories. More more memories than you probably have of St Kilda's last one. But yeah, we won't go into rude. that too much. <laughs> That's rude. Um, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. Invite you on my show, and this is the. The respect that I get. Um, but, <laughs> all good. That's what happens in sports, isn't it? Um, yeah, you mentioned some props. We, I think we've both got some props. Do you yeah. want to touch on props for each game, or do you want to? T- yeah, we can. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously go over them again. But yeah, I'm and I was I was happy to see you were keen on the, one of the same ones as me in this one as well, which is Joe Burrow. He's gonna, like I said, he's gonna air it out. I think they're gonna really try and. Um, yeah, defeat the Titans by that air raid and 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 expose that secondary. That's again, it's it's okay, but it's not it's not above. It's about average. It's not it's not anything better than that. I don't think. And I feel like um, yeah, they can have some success through the air in this one. And Joe Burrow over two hundred seventy eight and a half pass yards. That's how the Bengals are going to win the game. So I'm tipping Joey B to have a big day. 
And my other player prop in this one is T Higgins over the 65 and a half yards, receiving yards in case Jamar Chase is double teams and, and shadowed. And, and obviously he's going to be looked at and, and he's going to be still the go-to man for Jamar Chase. But we know by T Higgins can have a big day, um, you know, when when he when targeted, obviously he had over 200 rush, uh, passing yards in that Baltimore game earlier a few weeks ago. So, yeah, I like that line as well. So a couple from me in this one. So T Higgins over and Joe Burrow over their respective lines in the prop for me, mate. Yeah, very nice. I also like Joe Burrow in this one. Um, and, and I agree with you on that, uh, the over 278 and a half pass yards for him. Um, just a couple of little stats off, off the back of that one that uh, the Titans allow the seventh most passing yards in the NFL and 10 of 17, which equals to 59% uh, opposing quarterbacks this season hit that number versus the Titans during the regular season. The other one, again, on Joey Burrow, uh, longest completion over 38 and a half yards. Uh, Joey Burrow's hit this prop in 10 out of 17 games, again, 59%. Obviously, he's got an, an incredible number of weapons, as we touched on, in every direction he looks. And the Titans secondary has battled injuries, like we spoke about throughout the season. Uh, they're pretty thin with talent there, and, and the numbers, I think, back that up of their top five most targeted defensive backs. Three of them have allowed a 100-plus passer rating. So um, I think there's opportunity for Joey Burrow to uh, to air it out a little bit. And, you know, you look at some of that talent, whether it's uh, Jamar Chase or T. Higgins and even even Tyler Boyd. Um, yeah, and yeah, there's, there's so much talent there. Um, and they're all athletic, dynamic, and, and can move, whether it's, you know, whether it's the ball through the air or, or after the catch. Uh, after the catch yards, I think that there's uh, there's going to be some some decent bombs from Joey Burrow this week, and uh, I like that 38 and a half yards for his longest completion. Um, anything else on this one, mate? No, I do like like they they're in sync there. Obviously, if he's going to kind of get to that, you know, upward, you know, near that 300 yard passing yards, he's going to have one of those really big chunk plays to help him along, and and they can obviously see it you know, a 40-yard-plus reception downfield. So, yeah, I really like that actually as well, mate. So you might be onto something there hopefully. And, and like you said, that Titans, that Titans secondary can be exposed and, and we've seen, you know, that happen throughout the year on occasion. So, yeah, look, um, just, yeah, Joey B's playing with a bunch of confidence and swagger, isn't he? So let's hope that momentum can continue. Well, that one is uh, is from a mate of mine, Ryan Dolan in, in uh, the States, who's a... Uh, a betting writer for for a brand new affiliate site in the States, which has just launched. So uh, we'll try and get him on the show in the next couple of weeks before the Super Bowl to talk about props. I know he loves his props and and that was one of his favorites of the week. And thanks Ryan for that. Cause uh, I love that one too. So fingers crossed we, we get that up and uh, that's a bit of a, a bank builder or a pocket filler for the weekend. Uh, next up Sunday, midday, 12, 15 PM San Francisco at Green Bay, the Packers, Minus six, the total is 46 and a half. Have you got something in this one? Yeah, I do, mate. And I, I think the Niners can trouble the Packers again. I know we've they've beaten the Packers in their last three playoff matches. Mm. Most recent, obviously, being that NFC Championship game only a couple of years ago where they really completely dominated the Packers in that one. And, and it was the run game that absolutely dominated on that occasion. And again, it's going to be the recipe for success for the Niners. We saw them... When, when the ball was in Jimmy G's hands last week, they didn't obviously look as efficient or, or as, uh, you know, as as um, as dangerous as they did when they were running the football. They were, you know, Debo coming out with um, 
different looks coming up at, at that Dallas um, defense. And you made a really good point before we started um, this discussion is that the Packers and, and Cowboys really match up quite similarly, don't they, in terms of their their offensive schemes and, and everything like that. And, and obviously on defense as well, they're quite similar. However, the Cowboys have had, you know, slightly a big, bit better record on defense this season than the Packers. So, yeah, it, it, it bodes for, you know, um, a recipe for success again for Kyle Shanahan and, and the, the Niners who – yeah, riding a bit of momentum now. Obviously, they um, only just snuck into the playoffs with that come-from-behind victory against the Rams, which we now know looks like an awesome victory on paper after we, what we saw the Rams do last week. And then, of course, no matter who the opponent is going into the, you know, the opposition stadium uh, in a wildcard weekend is no mean feat. And they were comfortable leaders and, and dominated that game against the Cowboys mm. uh, and, and really should coast to a victory if not for... A, a brain fired by Garoppolo who threw that really poor interception. And then even worse, and, and so lucky that it fell at his feet, George Kittle, uh, I, I, he tried to take on the, after he claimed the catch firstly, that it just bounced in front of him. He ended up getting stripped and God, that would have been a monumental mistake. And I don't know why he didn't just give himself up after after the, the, the bad throw, but thankfully for him, the ball touched the, the, the grass and they got away with, Got away with one there, the Niners, who ended up holding on for a, a famous victory, their first in Dallas in the, a very storied, storied rivalry there in a playoff game. But, yeah, this one, this one's going to be an absolute cracker. And I just think the start is a little bit too much here in this one. And we know the Packers have been the, the class of the of the NFC and let alone the whole NFL this season, obviously the best record. They had that week one meltdown disaster that seems like a long, long, long time ago now where Aaron Rodgers basically didn't turn up um, they were humiliated by the saints 35-3 or something along those lines and yeah everyone was kind of thinking what if or what has happened to the packers and then obviously we we know what happened for the rest of the way they were the dominant team like i said only losing two more matches and they get some huge huge um additions on the defensive defensive end this week with um to darius smith and jay alexander who have been out for majority of the season coming back and and we know San Francisco is still sweating on the availability of Fred Warner and Nick Bosa. Uh, obviously, I think Warner's definitely going to play. He looks like he's going to suit up. Bosa's the big one, and, and he's going to be the crucial one, isn't he? He yeah. he really yeah really attacked that Cowboys front uh, front four last week, and and he'll do the same to the Packers this week. But um, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be an awesome matchup. It'll be interesting to see if Aaron Rodgers can again get to another championship game before he ultimately loses next week or if he, <laughs> if he can get over the hump in, indeed in probably potentially his last season in Green Bay. So a lot to watch for. I just think, um, yeah, it, it's going to be a tough assignment without Nick Bosa um, for an offense against the Packers that is averaging over 30 points at home this season. So we know the conditions are going to suit the Packers, um, the frozen tundra as we know it, San Francisco coming from the West Coast, uh, probably not as adapt to those conditions as we know, but they just match up so well against the Packers. And I feel like that six points is a really generous start. And it, it certainly took me over the edge when it got out to that flat six from, it was, yeah, around five, five and a half uh, earlier in the week. So, look, would even be more confident with a, with another half point, obviously, but or even up to a full touchdown. But, yeah, as, as much as I'd love the Packers to 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 win, um, I just think that that line is a bit too much of a big start. So um, I'm going to take the Niners at the line here at plus six, and um, yeah, they can continue some. You know, after a team that looked like they were shot halfway through the season, uh, it'll be a pretty impressive effort if they can get to a 
an FC Championship game. Yeah, Matt, I'm, I'm on the same page. I agree with you. I think this is another decent matchup for the Niners. Uh, I think, yeah, they're two very even DVOA teams. Both of them are, are top 10 overall. But it might surprise most of the listeners to know that San Francisco are the number six rated DVOA franchise overall for 2021. They're ranked fifth weighted to more recent performances, while Green Bay sneak into the top 10 at number nine. The Packers obviously have that devastating one-two punch. Uh, anyone who plays NFL fantasy knows that if you're lucky enough to draft both Aaron Rodgers and Devonta Adams, then you very rarely lose. And the same works in, in real life. If the Rodgers Adams stack performs, then the Packers win more often than not. But it is their defense that's the worry here. Specifically, I think, in, in my opinion, their red zone defense. Um, San Francisco are ranked top five in both DVOA pass and rush offense, with the Packers ranked just 15th and 28th in those same categories on the defensive side of the ball in the red zone, the, the difference is even more stark. The Niners are, are uh, ranked second are the second ranked offense. Uh, they're seventh for pass offense and first incredibly in rush offense in the red zone, well ahead in efficiency when compared to the Packers 22nd ranked defense. And that's uh, with a 24 rating and uh, in the, the pass defense and 17 uh, in, in rush defense. Um, obviously, like you mentioned, the Packers hopeful of regaining Zadarius Smith and Jar Alexander this week, which would be a good start to rectifying that stat. But, you know, Zadarius Smith hasn't played since back surgery after week one. So you've got to expect that if he is, if he is to make it back, that there's still going to be plenty of rust. And you've got to, I guess, temper expectations in, in that uh, in that element, I suppose. Um but when these two franchises met in, in week three, the 49ers ran the Packers incredibly close. Uh, obviously, that was in San Francisco. Uh, but the Niners came back from a 17-zip deficit to take the lead with just 37 seconds remaining before a last-second Mason Crosby field goal from 51 yards sealed the win for Green Bay at Levi Stadium. The Niners went on to lose their next three games, uh, so an 0-4 in that stretch before finishing the season with a wet sail, they went nine and three the rest of the way to be one of the informed teams in the NFC heading into the playoffs. They've already dispatched of the more highly fancy Dallas Cowboys, as you said. Uh, I'm not sure that they win this one. I'm not sure they go back to back, but I think that they do run the Packers close in what should be a high scoring one, given the efficiency of both offenses. Um, like you mentioned, you touched on the weather in Wisconsin. They are expecting a cold one. Uh they, they're saying that it could get down to zero degrees Fahrenheit, which, you know, zero degrees Celsius is pretty cold. Zero degrees Fahrenheit is, I think the scientific term is fucking cold. Um, but they're not expecting snow and not a whole lot of wind either. So it should be a pretty manageable proposition for both quarterbacks and both offenses. Uh, little stat here, 10 of the Niners regular season games went over this total line. Nine Packers totals did as well. And the final scoreline in that week three matchup was 30-27 Green Bay's way. So, mate, I'm with you. I'm with the Niners at plus six. I like that start there. I think it should probably be closer to a field goal again. Uh, but also like the overs at, at 46 and a half. I think that should probably be maybe a point, a point and a half or two points higher uh, around that 48 mark. Um, and so I think that uh, I'm going to go the overs in this one as well. Niners plus six, over 46 and a half. Anything to add in this one? No, I do like that overs play. And like you said, that week three matchup was was an awesome game. One of the one of the best of the Great season. Game. Where, like you said, um, the Packers jumped out to that really you know fast start and 
somehow the Niners worked their way back in it and almost caused the upset, just like they did against the Rams in, in that Week 18 game where they can be notoriously slow starters, can't they? And, mm. and uh, obviously that wasn't the case last week, and they're going to have to start fast. You don't want to be given Aaron Rodgers 17 points or no. even, even um, you know, 10 points or more than one score, especially uh, away in Lambeau in a playoff game. So, look, it's going to be uh, a big game if the Niners can start strong and, you know, play the play the scoreboard, play in front. They, they're a big chance to potentially knock the Packers off, not just um, not just cover that spread. So, yeah, it, it's an interesting one. And, and look, like I said, it, it, it's one of those games where, you know, the best team all season essentially could be bombed out. Uh, in the first game that they play in the playoffs. We've seen that happen time and time again uh, in the NFL. So for Packers fans and cheeseheads everywhere, let's hope that's not the case. And um, there's some A-Rod magic still left left in um, in Green Bay. And I'm sure, yeah, it's going to be a, a cracking game. And yeah, can't wait to watch that one as well. Any Have you got any props in this one? Uh, I did have one prop, and that was Aaron Jones for any time touchdown scorer. I think, yeah, like you said, um, I know you're on a bit of a similar page with but the other way. Uh, there's going to be a fair bit of running early, and and um, you know we both we know both teams are great red zone teams. Once they get down there, they usually score. And um, I would think that you know if if the if the Packers can get down there three four times, that Aaron Jones is going to get him get into the end zone at least one of those occasions, whether he's catching it from uh, from Aaron or if he's running it himself. So I think he's. A nice little play uh, at two ten, um, and you've got me the other running back uh, on the other side. Yeah, uh, uh, similar to you, I, I like Eli Mitchell anytime touchdown two dollars forty. Uh, he scored a touchdown in four of his last five games. Now comes up against that twenty eighth ranked uh, DVOA red zone rush defense that that I touched on earlier. Um, I think there's a, a very good chance, and and at two forty, uh, the kind of odds that that I couldn't ignore. I think that's probably should be. Close to two dollars, or or maybe even a dollar ninety. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's a little bit overs there. Um, and I think Eli Mitchell. You know, we we touched on uh, Debo Samuel at the, at the top of the show. Eli Mitchell, another one of those kind of underrated guys. Doesn't yeah. matter what he does. You know, he's kind of performed pretty much every week in, in at least the second half of the season. Um, and yeah, he's he missed, done everything. He after a bit of the first half of the season with injury, and he's exploded really in that second half, hasn't he? And mm. he was fantastic. He, he looked like he'd been shot out of a cannon every every run last week against the Cowboys. So, yeah, if he if he could perform again, um, you know, similar again, and, and really drive that that Niners offense, give them short yardage situations. Yeah, they're hard to stop. Next up, and Monday seven a.m. the Los Angeles. Rams at Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks minus three. The total is 48 and a half. They're still my Super Bowl favorites, the Rams. They were clinical in dispatching the Cardinals last week. It was an incredibly even and efficient display in all facets of the game as, as we've become accustomed to and, and I guess come to expect out of the, the LA Rams. But in this occasion on offense, 202 yards and two touchdowns through the air for Matt Stafford. He was 13 from 17 uh, they had 140 yards and a touchdown on the ground, plus a 40-yard bomb from OBJ uh, with the gloves. That was uh, that was fun to watch. And on defense, they had two sacks, two interceptions. They kept Kyler Murray to just 55% completion rate, 137 yards in the air, and just six yards on two rushes on the ground, which is almost unheard of for Kyler Murray. Uh, on special teams, two of two field goals made 100%, five punts all down inside the 20. They're just a special team on special teams. 
but they're a special team all over the park. I think the uh, the LA Rams and uh, I think that this shows this is the the type of game that shows exactly why the Rams are a top five DVOA franchise and have been top ten in in all three of those facets of the game for pretty much all the season. Um, the Bucks were impressive. I mean, let's not let's not make any bones about that. They were impressive, especially early, like you touched on earlier, against the Eagle against the Eagles in uh, Wild Card Weekend. But it is important to remember that it was only the Eagles. There's a reason that they only just scraped into that seventh seed in the NFC. But the NFC's second seed, the Bucks, have been decimated by injury, as we know, and controversy in the second half of the season. Uh, and now Tristan Wirfs and Ryan Jensen join the likes of Chris Godwin, Ronald Jones, Rashad Perriman, Cyril Grayson Jr., Sean Murphy Bunting, and Jason Pierre-Paul on IR or on the week's injury report. Giovanni Bernard, Levante David, and Josh Well also listed as limited participants from Wednesday Wednesday's practice as the banged-up Buccaneers prepare for probably the toughest assignment of their season so far. But ultimately, like the Niners-Packers game, I think this one comes down to efficiency in the red zone. And I think the Rams have the Bucks covered here with Stafford and his receivers all in form and, and looking dangerous uh, in the red zone. According to Football Outsiders, the Bucks also hold the fifth worst, worst red zone pass defense, while the Rams are top 10 in red zone pass offense a stat that does bode well for Matt Stafford looking for his second ever playoff win after number one last week. The Bucs also ranked just 15th in DVOA defending the tight end position, which is why I like Tyler Higby to hit his receiving yards line of 42 and a half. He, uh, he averages 40 yards per game on the season, but 51.8 yards per game over the last five weeks with the most recent two performances coming against teams ranked in the top five, uh, of that metric of defenses against the tight end position. But I mean, like I've said all year, they've been my pick of the bunch uh, all season. They've been my number one since preseason. And I'm not about to jump off them here at the field goal spread. I'm taking the Rams plus line. Uh, I'll also have a little play on the Rams money line because I really think they should win this one. Uh, And it's a tactic that served me pretty well last week on the Niners. So I'm going to go back to the well on that Rams plus three Rams money line for me. What have you got, mate? Yeah, Rams plus three for me as well, mate. I thought this would be a lot closer to a, a one, one and a half point line and, and even even money, really. It was surprising mm. that the Rams kind of went up. This Well, in fact, the money has come for the Bucks. It, uh, the line opened, I think, at two and a half and it's, it's now gone into that flat three. So the money early and the trend says that the Bucks, the reigning Super Bowl champions, can get over all those injuries that you just mentioned uh, and keep their winning ways going. And you know, they've won five playoff games in a row now, uh, obviously from last year, and, and they'll have another crack this year at home. But, yeah, I just think those injuries are going to take its toll on the rant, uh, on the Bucks, I should say. And like you said, when you add those linemen now to an already, you know, uh, long list of skilled players, it, it's a pretty daunting task for the Bucks coming up against the Rams who, like we've touched on, just clicked into to overdrive last week. They were, they were almost perfect, uh, played the perfect game, really, and... I know we'll touch on perfection in the next one, in, in fact. But look, it was a it was comprehensive by the Rams. And like you said, in all three facets of the game, they are very special. So look, I, I think they can get the job done. Obviously, the monkey's off the back now for Matthew Stafford. He's going to go out a lot more relaxed this week um, after getting that first playoff victory. He only had to throw the ball 17 times, as you mentioned. It was just an efficient game from, from the Rams. They, they picked up big chunks of yardage all the way through. There was never long third and longs or anything like that. They just, just did what they needed to. And if they can stay out of trouble like that and continue, they'll they'll beat the Bucks in this one. And 
it was a pretty dominant effort back in week three when they when they beat the Bucks as well. Um, you know, the, the scoreline, I think the Rams won by 10. However, it was a lot, you know, more comprehensive than that. The Bucks kind of got a few, um, some late scores to, to, to tie, uh, tighten things up a little bit. So, yeah, the Rams were comprehensive on that day. And I just feel like, I know we've seen Tom Brady pull out miracles in the playoffs before, but I just feel like he's got too much against him this week with, um, with all the key players that you said that are missing, obviously, He's going to have to go to the well with Mike Evans and, and Gronk. And, and, of course, Leonard Fournette is uh, a big watch. If he can play and, and play well, he's going to go a long way to the Bucks being competitive. But I just feel like the Rams, like I said, without that that capitulation in the second half, they've been the form team of the league. And and I don't see any reason why to jump off that that train here now. They, they look to be clicking to gear. If Matthew Stafford can, you know, limit the interceptions and be as efficient as he was last week. The Rams, I think, are really good things at plus three and, and should also be very hard to beat at the money line, like you said. So, likewise, mate, I'm on the Rams. Uh, it's Yeah, it's it's a big game. It's a big, big game. And, and it probably is a bit unlucky not to be Sunday night football billing. 7am mm. uh, is a weird start too. That's an interesting time slot in the States as well. But um, no complaints here. We get to watch the majority of that before work, which is, which is a nice thing. And... Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's obviously my game. It's probably more, actually, it's hard to go game of the week this week because the next one's probably just <laughs> as good. But, um, like we said, this was our pre-season NFC championship prediction, uh, from both of us. Mm. We probably wrote the Packers off a little bit. Um, we've obviously were the one seed, but these are the two teams we looked at and thought would be the teams to beat in the NFC. And yeah, it, it seems like an NFC championship game to me. So it's a huge one. And like you, mate, I, I'm going to, Play them Rams, um, the Rams as well, mate. And I might even have a double at the money line as well. You've, you've convinced me. <laughs> well, we know how that works out when that happens. So now I'm worried. <laughs> I might but, stay. Out uh, I mean, look, I, I've got to be honest. I, I don't think that the Bucks should be three point favorites here. No, no, that and, seems odd to me. And, and that's my just, only concern that it's that the line's gone the other way. So mm, I, it is, it is a little bit of a concern because. You know, we know how sharp the books are, but uh, I don't know. A little bit of a hot take here, but Ooh. the the Bucks win this game. This, if they win this game, it could be the greatest win in their franchise history. I know they've won they've won Super Bowls, and obviously they won the Super Bowl last year. But taking the the actual odds out of it, the, the game odds to win this game against pretty much the informed team in the competition, uh, the most even team across the competition. Uh, they've got stars on every line. And you, you add in the injury situation in, in Tampa Bay, you add in the Antonio Brown situation and the players that they're going to be missing. Uh, we don't know yet if, if playoff Lenny's going to be back. You know, it, it's probably 50-50 at this stage, Thursday night, Melbourne time. Um yeah, I hope he does for, for the sake of the game. You know, he's he's, he's a wonderful player. Um, but, you know, if he doesn't, then he, even more so. But, you know, it's kind of, like I said, ex- except for the actual odds, it kind of feels like an against all odds kind of game for the, for the Bucs. Um, and, you know, if, if they can get up this week, then, you know, it's going to be pretty hard to beat them the rest of the way uh, to the Super Bowl. So, yeah, look, I... The Rams, in my opinion, the Rams should win this and you know should probably win it well. Uh, and if they don't, then I think you know they're probably you know like there have been over the last three or four years questions that need to be asked 
about the Rams as to whether they're able to take that next step and get over that hump uh, because this is probably their their best opportunity to, to do it here. Um, but, yeah, you're right. If it wasn't for the next game, then this would be game of the week. And uh, moving on to that one, Monday, 10.30 in the morning, we've got Buffalo at Kansas City. Kansas City Chiefs minus one and a half. The total is 54 and a half. You touched on perfection. What have you got in this one? Yeah, I'll let you run through it because you've eloquently um, going to go through it for us. And it was a pretty amazing performance by the Bills. I didn't actually get to see much of this game, but was pleasantly surprised to see the scoreline when I did check in on it. Uh, it yeah, it staggered me. I did. I thought it would be a, um, a tight battle um, in uh, Western New York, but of course, the Bills completely dominated and and. Again, now maybe look like the the informed team of the AFC. Obviously, um, they had that slip up. They um, they won that crucial game in New England to to essentially seal the the AFC East. Uh, obviously, had those two more games at, at home against weaker opposition, but they did what they needed to um, on the run in. They beat the Falcons and the Jets, and I can't remember exactly how many games they have now won in a row. But obviously, they are the informed team of the AFC, and yeah, hard hard to bet against them in this one. Even though they do go in a slight underdogs, they again the underdogs really dismantled that um, that Kansas City Chiefs team when it was a different Chiefs team though. To be fair, earlier in the season when it, I think it was in week six or seven where the Bills completely dominated and and really made Kansas City look like a, a really average average team. And we know things have changed since then, but like yeah, yeah it's just it was impressive by the Bills. They uh, it was week five back then. Sorry, and he. Josh Allen had 315 yards, three touchdowns. He had added a touchdown on the ground. They scored touchdowns on their first seven drives last weekend. Uh, yeah, it was just an impressive performance. And obviously, Paddy Mahomes tried to to um, replicate that. He threw five touchdowns of his own last week uh, against the Steelers. But yeah, it's going to be an absolute um, cracking game. Obviously, the, the repeat of the AFC Championship last week, uh, from last year, I should say. It was my AFC Championship game prediction uh, at the start of the season as it was yours and yeah it, it's disappointing that we're going to see it a bit a week earlier but it's going to be a a monumental clash and I yeah, can't wait to watch this one I I'm at a loss to try and find the winner if I had to for, um, pay, take a pick though I'd probably have to lean towards the bills at the line just from what they did to them uh, earlier in the season and, and the momentum again just the form of the teams that the Chiefs had that slip up. They're not looking as um, efficient on defense as they were when they had that um, 10 game winning streak. But um, so that's what I'm worried about. Josh Allen is uh, obviously playing with as much confidence as he ever has now. And, and that offense is really clicked into gear. They're getting a big lift from Devin Singletary. And that was something we, we mentioned at the start of the season, if they could get a running game going, they, they could be the, the best all round team in, in the league. And, and while it's still not quite, uh, you know, A1 level yet, it's certainly on its way. And, and with Josh Allen moving his legs and, and running as well as he has the last few weeks, that certainly helps the cause as well. And I like him to, to score in this one with with, a, with his legs. I, I've, I've got him down as an anytime touchdown scorer at 270 in a little same-game multi that we'll, we'll touch on early, uh, a bit later. And I also like Stefan Diggs to have a big game. And it's it's the big games at the big game, big names step up to the plate and Stefan Diggs is certainly that and we know he's thrived in the playoffs before and I feel like he'll have a big game and as he did against the um, the Chiefs earlier this season. So I've got him over 72 and a half yards here but there's no official betting play for me in this one but 
it's a must-watch game. If anything, like I said, I'd probably have to lean towards the Bills at that start, and I wouldn't mind the overs in this. I know it's a very high line, 54.5, compared to the other games this week. It's about a touchdown more than any, any other game. So we know it's going to be a high-scoring shootout, but we know... No, no. We both uh, defenses are very good on their day. I just feel like the the offenses are pretty special, and it'll be a bit of a shootout and a oh yeah, an absolutely awesome game to hopefully watch. So yeah, a, a no play from me officially, but there's a couple of props and, and a same game multi I like in this one. Yeah, I I agree. I think if I was if I was going to bet this one, I'd be leaning the Bills just because they're the underdogs, and and it's hard for me to pick one. I, you know, I feel like this one's pick them. And they're, they've got a point and a half start, and I'd probably lean into that just for that reason. But you're right. I mean, this is game of the week. Um, I don't have an official play in, in this one like you. Um, at 54 and a half points, you, you mentioned that total. At 54 and a half, this points total is just outside the top 10 highest points totals in an NFL playoff matchup since 1980. So only 10 or 11, because uh, there's a couple of... Uh, uh, a couple of ties, but I think there's 11, 11 playoff matchups that have had a higher points total than this one since 1980, which when you think about it is not many in, uh, in 40 years. Um, but we, we spoke about perfection and, and uh, thanks for, thanks for letting me do that. Cause it was, that was fun to watch last week. The first ever perfect game by a modern day NFL offense. It potentially may have happened in 1941, when the Bears defeated the Lions in Chicago. But uh, in terms of the modern NFL, the first ever perfect game by an NFL offense, zero punts, zero picks, zero fumbles lost, zero field goals, and a touchdown on every single drive until the kneel downs. Uh, It was unbelievable to watch. I mean, it was one of the most clinical offensive performances that I've ever seen in in 30-odd years or 28 years of, of watching the NFL. Um, pretty amazing stuff. Uh, and, and they did it against a top-five defense in the league in the Patriots. And, and we know, you know that the priority that, that Billy B puts, in, uh, puts on defense in, in Boston. Um, but this week, it's tough because that Buffalo Bills franchise, that team that, that put up the perfect game, that pitched the perfect game, um, takes on the Kansas City Chiefs, the, the gold standard of modern offensive football. They put up their own incredible stat lines last week. They piled on 42 points on a defense that includes the guy who everyone assumes is going to be the defensive player of the year in TJ Watt, 478 yards of total offense, six touchdowns, just one interception. Uh, tight end Travis Kelsey became the first player in NFL history to throw a touchdown pass while also generating 100 or more receiving yards and catching a touchdown pass of his own. Uh, this one might be the game of the year, but it is one that I'm going to sit out from a betting perspective because I just, I'm not even sure I want to play it, let alone have to play it. I, I just want to watch it. Um, it. It should be incredible. I don't, I like you, I'm kind of, I, I would love to take that overs, uh, that overs line, but, you know, you don't see playoff matchups with that sort of line very often. So I'm just going to err on the side of caution, I think, in this one and, and just sit out and just enjoy what could be the game of the year, um, let alone the game of the week. So uh, we'll take it easy for that one. Have you got a, a prop or anything in, in this one? 
Yeah, had a had a, um, a prop of yeah Stefan Diggs, like I said, over seventy two and a half yards receiving. But I've also got um, a long shot uh, as a same game multi in this one as well, which we can touch on now, or we can move into our our bets this weekend if you like. Yeah, go. Uh, why don't uh, I mean that's that's the last match of the weekend, just the four games this week. Obviously, um, why don't you uh, you go through your props and long shots for the week? Yeah, can do, mate. So, yeah, that long shot I was just talking about is the same game multi in that last game. Uh, it's an over 54.5 total points into Josh Allen, anytime touchdown scorer, and Stefan Diggs over 72.5 receiving yards. That equals 750. So, plenty mm-hmm. of value there. And I also like the Cincinnati Bengals to win into under 47.5 points. And that's at 450. That's my other long shot for the weekend. Uh, my player props. T. Higgins over 65 and a half receiving yards in that game. Uh, Joe Burrow over 278 and a half passing yards. Aaron Jones, anytime touchdown scorer in the Packers Niners game. I liked Mike Evans in the Rams game, uh, Rams and Bucks game. He's to get over 70, uh, 69 and a half receiving yards in an offense that really hasn't got too many options for Brady to throw to. And uh, the last and final player prop is Stefan Diggs, uh, like I mentioned, over 72 and a half yards. Receiving in the Bills and Chiefs game, mate. How about you? Yeah, I like all of those. I've got a, a couple of combinations, I guess, of some of those uh, game lines and uh, and props that I've, I've mentioned already. Uh, San Francisco plus six into Elijah Mitchell anytime touchdown at $3.60. And the Rams plus two and a half into Tyler Higby over 42 and a half receiving yards at $3.40. Uh, and then a couple of props, as we've already touched on, Joey Burrow over 38 and a half yards for the longest completion. Uh, Again, Joe Burrow over 278 and a half passing yards. Eli Mitchell anytime touchdown at $2.40. Tyler Higby over 42 and a half receiving yards. And Tyler Higby anytime touchdown at $3.75. A little bit of value there on that last one. Um, But uh, as always, you can jump on Twitter and tell us what you think of our plays, of our props, uh, of our stats and analysis. Just let us know what you think. Positive or negative, doesn't matter. Uh, just give us a yell. Get me at Nick Splitter. Lepa is at Ryan Lepore. Obviously, we are on Twitter as a podcast at Punt, Punt Return Pod. We're on Facebook, the Punt Return Podcast, and on Instagram at NFL Podcast. Uh, any final thoughts on, on this one, mate? No, like I said, it's this is going to be an awesome weekend of the football for fantastic matchups and and two that we predicted would see next week but uh look it's going to be a fantastic um, weekend of nfl once again and can't wait to uh watch it and dissect it all again with you next week mate sounds good looking forward to it should be a wonderful weekend of football and with no eagles games for the rest of this season at least i can't end with the go birds so would we'll just end with a go rams <laughs> <laughs>